0: Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Good morning. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing better than last time I was here. I felt horrible last time I was here. Um, What I want us to do before we start, it um, seems like it's really good spirit in the room. Um, the prayers and songs and everything uh, seem to go along with what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so before I even pray, before you turn there, I, I just want you to think for a minute about um, what you have to do today. Just today. And I'm not going to focus on the week or the month. Sometimes you, you focus too big and it's like, well, that's impossible. So I'm just not going to think about it. But just today, um, the people you have to meet, the schedules you have to make. Um, the the planning for the week ahead, whatever you have to do today. And if you can, for the next 30 minutes or so, just put it away, right? Um, Because that's not what we're here for right now, right? Uh, We're not here for schedules, we're not here for what we can attain or maintain. Um, We're not even here in the moment necessarily for how we can serve, but just how we can meet Him, right? Uh, so that's what I what my hope is Um, now if you pray with me and and then we'll turn to the the word we're going to be in today Uh, father thank you for you thank you for your son for everybody in this room Uh, I pray that we would be a people at least for the next day uh, that aim to serve you first uh, that aim to please you um, that aim to know you and rest in you and be rooted and grounded in just, in just you, who you are. Not in what we can do, not in what we can obtain, not in anything else, just you. And, and that your word will work on our hearts today to draw us closer to you and each other. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Ephesians 3.14. I'm going to take a few minutes. I promise we will get into the Word. We're going to go 3.14 to 4.16 this morning. Uh, but I do want to speak a little bit uh, about how we got here, at least how I got here. Um, the last time I was here, uh, not only did I not feel well physically, but spiritually, I, I did not feel well. I just didn't, right? Uh, I feel like if you, if you do this Christian walk for any length of time, you will definitely have uh, periods and seasons of, of burnout and regret and, and seasons of you, you kind of really forget who he is and who he's about, what he's for, Right? So I was here that week, and, and it really started to hit me and rain in on me, and um, I think like a, a week or two in the future, I was supposed to preach somewhere else, so I was like, okay, I really don't have much time here before I'm, you know, I got to get back in the swing of things, and I had planned to take a couple weeks off, a month off, and just, you know, focus on the Lord, do, do something different. Anyway, so I, I, w- I was scheduled to preach in Keysville, Emanuel Bible Church. I've been there quite a few times here. Uh, recently, because they're, they're in search for pastors, so. uh, helping them out. And we've been going through Ephesians, this Ephesians study at Grace. All right? I've been going through Ephesians. Uh, brother Jack has been going through Philippians. Brother Steve Hunt is going through Colossians, and we just rotate every third week. All right? uh, so I had done uh, Ephesians 1, took a few weeks to get through that. I'd done uh, Ephesians 2, had been a few weeks, and then I come to Emmanuel that Sunday, and I'm supposed to do the Bible study the next week at Grace, and we'd be in Ephesians 3. So I was like, okay, two birds with one stone. So I'll start studying in Ephesians 3 this week. I'll preach at Emmanuel that Sunday on Ephesians 3, dive a little bit deeper, and then do the study the following Wednesday. Reasonable. And I open my Word, and I'm starting to read that week, and I just couldn't do it. For whatever reason, at that time, it hadn't hit me, I don't think. Um, but, but it wasn't sitting well with me. I, I just felt like I couldn't get into the Scriptures. It, it, just, it just wasn't working for whatever reason. So I'm like, okay, I, I've done Ephesians 1 and 2 already at Grace. So when I go to Emmanuel this week, I'll just do a summary of those two chapters, and then we'll come back to Ephesians uh, before that Wednesday. So I go and I do this, the, uh, the study on Ephesians 1 and 2, and, and it actually went pretty well, and they like, okay, awesome. So now we're going to jump into Ephesians 3. So Monday and Tuesday come, and I'm reading, and, I, and same point. I just couldn't do it for whatever reason, and, and it, it starts to dawn on me, at least in part, is because of, uh, I don't think this is an actual phrase in the English language, but Ephesians 1 and 2, um, you can you can really academic to death. Y- you can. Um, there are enough words and phrases and history behind those two chapters that you can go verse by you can go word by word almost and break it down and show where it came from and show how it means the same thing here as it did when it was written in the original languages and just all this stuff that you can just academic to death and t- and, o- and honestly teach a good lesson truly. Ephesians 3 is not like that. And and if you don't have the heart, at least close to the heart that Paul had, when you come to Ephesians 3, there's no way in the world you can teach it. Not even close. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, I just can't do it. You're going to have to help me. I've definitely come to a point today where I realize that just Cole can't academic this one. Can't do it. So I get on Instagram, because that's what you do when you don't know what to do. (laughs) you don't seek the Lord, you get on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram and I start scrolling. I promise I will get to the word and I won't keep you two hours. Um, So I'm scrolling and I come across uh, the Village Church's page. Uh, Matt Chandler, you may know him. He's a pastor out in Texas. I come across the Church's page and it's a little sermon clip from him. It's like two minutes long and I always love his stuff, so I just click on it. And he's teaching on Ephesians 3, right? So I sit there and I listen And it it was exactly um, what I needed, and and it was the start, truly, to how we got here. I'm going to read a quote, uh, and I'll paraphrase some from his teaching on, on Ephesians 3. He says, where the Bible teaches and where Jesus commands that our faith is rooted So where the Bible teaches, where Jesus commands that our faith be rooted is not in an ever-increasing knowledge that we can't possibly obey at every turn. But rather, our faith be rooted and grounded in a love and an understanding of his love that keeps us tethered to him, come what may, and over time transforms us. He says, do you see where he wants to root you? Not in what's the list. What can I do? What can I obtain? But he wants to root you in him. He says, just be with me. That's Ephesians 3. Just be with me. And he says, most of us didn't have moms and dads like that. So it's kind of hard for us to grasp. And we're just so broken that the invitation seems disingenuous. That this is God that sits high and could call for anything. At his, at his command, just, just pleads that we just know him. And, and we're like, we, we just don't know what to do. Tell me what to do, Lord. And we're like the prodigal son that comes home and we're like, maybe he'll let me be a slave. And he says, just be with me. Right? I myself had, had understood that um, for the past, I don't know, six months, a year, whatever it may be, I was truly rooting and grounding myself in what I could do. Um, maybe not to earn his favor, but it, but at least to try to please him in some way. A- instead of rooting and grounding myself in who he is, that's our call, right? I, we can't earn his favor. I, I'm, I'm, all of you probably know this. I, I know a couple of you who are here, and. I'm sure the teaching here is rich, so I'm sure you know this, but you can't earn that, mind you. And for every Christian in the room, because it's already yours, right? We talked about it, I think, last time I was here briefly, that God's standard for relationship with him is perfection. You can't do it. And that's why Jesus had to come, so that faith through him, We're made clean. We're redeemed. We're spotless. We're new. And and we have peace with God and His favor's on us already. You can't earn the favor. You can't earn the blessing. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has done it already. The blessing's ours, the favor's ours, our inheritance in heaven is already locked in. We're his. When he speaks to this church, mind you, this isn't just like some Jewish nation here, some typical people of God that you may have read about in the Old Testament, but a Gentile people, a people who were far off. And then Ephesians 4.17, we're not going to go that far today, but Ephesians 4.17 says, now this I say and I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. He doesn't even categorize them as the people they once were. He says, don't walk like the Gentiles. You're mine now. You're, you're not who you once were. And Man, that's, that's so applicable for everybody in the room. Uh, you're not your sin. You're not your past. Um, if you were, you wouldn't be with him. The, the slate has been wiped clean and remains clean because you're his. So I want to read Ephesians three, fourteen. Uh, we're mainly going to be in chapter 4, but if we don't look at Ephesians 3.14, and if you just read the beginning of 4, you're, you'd get it all wrong. You may know this word better than I do. I don't know you personally, but uh, for anybody who in the room that might not know Ephesians 4, um, if, if you don't know 3, you'll get 4 all messed up. You just will. So Ephesians 3.14 says this. For this reason, i bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit and your inner being. I'm going to, to pause there just briefly. So, so Paul prays. right. So, so first, he, he's told this church in chapter 1, you've been called, you've been chosen, Uh, You've been commissioned out. This work he has had planned for you since before the foundation of the world. And you're to walk in this. You're to walk in this as one body, as one people, not Jew and Gentile, but as a people by faith who have come together to seek this Lord. You do this together as one body. And he comes here and he says, now I pray for you. I I pray that you be strengthened uh, by the power of the Spirit in your inner being. And you you feel like that he's going to commission these people out to go do something. Right, sheep in the midst of wolves type thing. Right, pa- Paul is on his knees bowing before the king that they be strengthened by his power. But this is the reason, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So Paul prays for this church to end this chapter that they be strengthened by the power of God to know Him. Just to know Him. And if I could drill one thing into everybody's minds in the room this morning, it's that this is the purpose for all of it. Not in what you can do, not in what you can obtain, not in how you can please, even Him. It, it, first and foremost, all of this is so that you may know Jesus, right? This God that is all-powerful, he, He's everywhere present, He knows absolutely everything about every single one of you and me, and His main goal and focus is that you know Him. It's pretty wild to me. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we think or ask, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Verse one. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility. And gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And this is why I wanted to read Ephesians 3 first, because Paul starts off Ephesians 4 strong with what he wants you to do. And that's who we are, I think, especially as Americans. um, What can we do? and how can we do it faster? And how can be, we be more productive as we do it? And how can we do it with less people and less time and less money? Like that, that's us, we're, we're, we don't do things slow here, right? So, so Paul starts off Ephesians four strong and I want you to do this. So we have to look at this in light of Ephesians three, this walking in this manner worthy of this calling, which is huge and weighty by the way. This calling that he's given us is bigger than anything we can walk in. But this walking is done from a position of peace, right? recognizing that we as Christians are clean, are redeemed, and are forgiven in the Lord. As we walk, there is no favor to be earned. It is yours already. You're free to walk in the love of the Lord, understanding that you are fully loved by him already can't earn his love he loves you already he is with you and his blessing has been bestowed upon you already that Ephesians 1 3 that we read earlier so he calls them walking humility gentleness patience bearing with one another in love and those uh, things can be broken down into individual sermons truly so we're not going to dive too much into those today but what we are going to dive into is the word eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace this word eager I'm going to use the word we a lot, so don't take this personal. Again, I don't know you that well. Um, I'll speak of me. Uh, of being just as guilty as anybody. Doing this this eager. Oftentimes we're not. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I think sometimes we forget that we have brothers and sisters in Christ in different churches. All right. <laughs> even across denominations, right? I would argue, if you argue back, this will take longer than 45 minutes, but I would argue that we even have some brothers and sisters in Christ in the Catholic churches that surround. Now, I agree that Christianity and Catholicism are different um, but, I, but I had a talk with a friend one day who attends the Catholic church regularly. And we had a sit down conversation about what we believe. Because I'm like, OK, I know he believes differently from I do, me walking in this. So we got to have a conversation about, you know, relationship with the Lord. And, and, and everything he said to me, I walked away going, this man's a Baptist. And, and he's in that Catholic church every single week. So, so we have brothers and sisters everywhere. They may be babies in the faith. They may not understand fully. They may have questions like we do. We definitely don't understand all. That's that's for sure. Um, And I think sometimes we forget that. And and oftentimes, I don't think we really care that we do. If we did care, they'd know us. Right. And if we cared, we would know them. I don't know their names, their ages, their favorite color, nothing. I think we need to wake up to that fact. Um, are people in the same county as us who have never heard of our churches? And that's on me. And that's on us. And that's on grace. And that's on First Baptist. And that's on Second Baptist. That's on us, right? Where to go. We're to be with one another, right? Paul and the rest of the apostles unsettled the entire world in their living. And oftentimes we don't unsettle a block. So we're to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ across churches, across denominations, being united in the Spirit, this phrase he used. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We can't do it alone. There's no possible way. I'm going to read a few verses. Don't worry about turning with me because you won't be able to flip fast enough. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. We use the word one a lot. I think the reason that we're going to use the word one a lot, um, for one, that the writers of this word use it a lot is because the time period was different. It's not like he's writing these letters to the church in South Boston. Remember, he's writing these letters to these churches that existed in this time period who had a different thought process than us. And there was a huge divide between like a Jewish nation and a Gentile people, huge divide. Uh, they were different. They they didn't walk together. They didn't talk together. They didn't do things together. And now, through Jesus, all who have faith in Him are one people. Right? Yeah. I not that I like like to imagine, but it helps me to think about is you know the American history, black and white history, and and it was separated. It was a divide between peoples. And now Jesus says. To this church, Paul writing to this church that both Jew and Gentile, as one with faith in Jesus, are one body through this one Spirit. And speaking of spiritual gifts, in 1 Corinthians 12, he writes, All these are empowered by one and for the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. But just as the body is one and many many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So this relationship that each individual has with the Lord through this spirit, all share that uh, relationship with the Lord through the same spirit. We are this one body through one spirit coming to him. And Philippians 1:27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Then we jump back into Ephesians 4 here, with 4 through 6. It says there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He leaves no opportunity for separation at any turn, at, at, at any aspect of the Christian faith. He, he closes off with one. And you can't be separated, any of you. You are one body. We rejoice together, we suffer together. Verses seven and eight. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. You can turn with me. Keep your spot, though, to uh, Psalm 68. I want to read a few verses from Psalm 68 here. We'll start in verse 9. Psalm 68. Says rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance, as it languished. You flock, found, your flock found dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds. The wings of a dove, covered with silver; its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall in Zalmun. Then I want to turn, uh, skip over to verse 17. The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is in the sanctuary. And then verse 18: You ascended on high, leading the host of captives in your train and receiving gifts from men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. I I think he uses this passage for a couple of reasons, but for one reason in particular, I think he uses Psalm 68, arguably so, is to show that as God gives, Christ gives. Mind you, this God of the Old Testament, the God that they knew, gets introduced in His fullness in the New Testament. This Jesus had been uh, prophesied about, but not really known. Uh, This Jesus who maybe they had in their heads, who might, would be, has been shown in kind of his fullness who he is. And they reference this Psalm 68 uh, as they speak of Christ. So as God gives, Christ gives. Uh, And that Christ bestowing gifts to men is just as weighty and holds just as much authority as God the Father. Driving home the fact that the Father and Son are one, much like us are one. A statement that the Bible uses continually throughout Scripture. As the Father has blessed, so is the Son. Christ has ascended on high, giving the gift of salvation to men after defeating death. In verses 9-13, through 13, in saying that He ascended, what does it mean? But that He also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above the heavens, that He might fill all things, which we won't get into too deep this morning for the sake of this message, but 11, and He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of Christ in His fullness we're not an end to ourselves um, a lot of times it kind of feels like we are we think we are um, I don't I don't know again I don't know each of you in the room personally so I don't know what your roles are and what you do uh, but but he didn't call us to be deacons for the sake of being deacons uh, he, he didn't call us to be elders for the sake of being elders he didn't call us to be pastors or evangelists for the sake of being evangelist, but God has commissioned us by him for the building up of the body. One, right? He didn't just put one up on a pedestal. I've, I've called you to be this. Now you are this staple to be looked at and honored and revered in and of yourself and that you're just it. No, you've been commissioned and called in this body to build it up until Until, he continues, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I love this because it's not like he leaves us in Ephesians 3 with saying all of this is so that you may know God. And then we jump into Ephesians 4 and everything sounds different. No, he brings it full circle. The reason that he called us that he chose us, that he drew us in, that he calls us to be gentle, to to loving with one another, to, to maintain this unity of the spirit and the bond of peace shows up here in verse 13, so that we may know him again. Throughout scripture, that's the point and that's it. And for me, I can blow past it often. I keep saying it over and over and over. It's like, okay, to know him, but what else? All right, to know him, but what can I do? All right, to know him, yeah, but, but, but what's after? That's it, to know him. That's the reason he's called us. That's the reason he loves, uh, showering his grace upon us. That, that's the reason he's commissioned us to be evangelists, everybody in the room, so that we and others may know him That's it. That's it. So that, verse 14, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every point which is equipped with every part working properly, make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, so not being tossed to and fro by everyone of doctrine. And again, we can't throw away everything prior because not in what we can obtain or achieve, but being rooted and grounded in him, who he is and what he has for us is the only way that the body will be kept from running with everything it hears. Uh, Every wind of doctrine, every deceitful scheme, every human cunning that comes our way, the only reason that we can and will be steadfast in the midst of that trial is that we know Him. And that's it, that we know Him. Again, the whole Matthew 7 passage, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, we enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. And these people thought that they knew Him. Why? Because they rooted and grounded themselves in what they could do or attain. They said, Lord, we cast out demons in your name, did mighty works in your name. We did all of these things in your name. And what's what's the problem here? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. That's, that's, That's the purpose. That's the goal. Again, rooting and grounding ourselves in who He is, what He has for us, and coming to an accurate understanding of that as the body, as we go, as we preach, as we teach, in peace, understanding fully, as we do everything, there is no earning of favor because it's ours already, uh, and that we please Him simply by walking in what He's called us to. Pray with me. Father, thank You for You. Thank You for this day, this people. I pray as, as we offer up uh, song to you uh, that you smile down on us that you continue to be with us guide us, lead us in Jesus name, Amen Thank you so much for listening To learn more about Faith Community Church you can find us online at FCCSOBO.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church As always God loves you, we love you and we hope you have a wonderful week.